0: back. It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to pod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Pod. The fellows will get enrolling right
1: after this from our partners advanced elevator company have expert field technicians for troubleshooting repair and installation of elevators an area business leader and a huge supporter of the corona public schools advanced elevator
0: Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Siawassee and M21 in Corona. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500 square foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to Auctionservice.com to see more more importantly stop down and see us at 1007 south washington street you'll do better with sheridan
1: hello again everybody it's time for three point podcast episode 167 our starting lineup includes advanced elevator corona connection the corona public schools Hankerd sportswear rivals tap house and grill nelson house funeral homes sheridan auction service Success Group Mortgage and Servicing in our studio home, Z92.5 The Castle. I'm Ted Fattel of The Castle. On the phone, ESPN's Matt Burns and Jared Fattel of Bally Sports Detroit. We want to thank everybody for uh, listening to our podcast and all the follows on social media at 3 point Pod. Well, fellas, uh, let's get caught up a little bit. Let me just start off real, real quick. Like this morning... Did not start out to be a very good day for me. I uh, got up in the morning. I didn't really sleep very well. I had a meeting with the boss at work in Grand Ledge. Uh, we had set up a breakfast appointment. And uh, I got up this morning. We had some frost on the windows. I went out and started my car, threw my computer in, shut the car door, and I don't have a spare set of keys. So the car's running with my keys in it. <laughs> and that's my day. That's how it started. <laughs> I had a call. How did you solve it? Well, I, I, fortunately, I'm a member of AAA, so I called AAA, and they came over, and they have this little device. It's like a a, a balloon thing that just it, it pries open the car door just enough where they could put a stick in there, hit the clicker. It took about a minute and a half. <laughs> I was back on the road, but my needless to say, my meeting got canceled. So that was the day to start. Let's hope the podcast goes better than the morning.
2: Yeah, that's never, like, whenever you have something, you know, fairly important like that to start your day off and something like that goes wrong, it, it does just make you think, like, is this about to be the worst day ever? Your car's just sitting there running. <laughs> and, you know, it's, there's nothing you can do. I know. Just watching for, the, gas, uh, watching I, the gas gauge go down.
1: <laughs> well, fortunately, I had almost a full tank of gas, so it it was cool. It ran it ran by itself, though, for about an hour.
2: <laughs> Wait, well,
3: is, well, hold on. I have two different stories. One is, a, I thought... Isn't there a story where you, you you, and, like, my dad and, like, some of your other brothers and sisters, like, went on a trip, like, for a weekend, and you came back and the car was, like, still running that you left at, like, the carpool lot? You guys left it running for, like, two days or something like that?
1: Well, it must have been one of the other brothers. That wasn't me. I kind of remember the story, but I don't remember all the details, but it wasn't me in that
3: one. And then I just remember there was one time, I don't remember which of my brothers it was. He was like three hours away, and he locked his keys in his car. And my two brothers—not the not the brightest bulbs, if, if you know what I mean—he uh, had them drive three hours to drop off his keys, only to call my dad. Like as soon as my other my brothers were getting my brother was getting there, and he was like, "You know, we are members of AAA, but I <laughs> had your keys in like 15 minutes. You had a brain."
1: I do remember that one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I'll throw this. Uh, it's not going to go much better at least off the start because I do actually have a gripe with you. Okay. Um, your Twitter. Why are you treating this like the new Jeopardy host, like it's like the next like LeBron James like free agent? signing? <laughs> One, you don't care. You don't even watch it. Two, as soon as Kenny Mayne is like announces he's leaving ESPN or whatever, the very first thing you think of is, hey, you should go for the Jeopardy hosting job. Just what is your obsession with this? Why does anyone even give a shit?
1: Well, that was really just, and Matt probably understands what I meant by it. It was kind of my tribute to Kenny Mayne. I love Kenny Mayne, and I love his type of humor, and I just thought it would be a good fit. And I I do have a little issue with Aaron Rodgers, as we know. We talked about that as far as being the Jeopardy host, but I do watch Jeopardy. I don't watch it every night, but I am a Jeopardy fan, so uh, it was really just my tribute to Kenny Mayne. It's sorry to see him go from uh, ESPN, that's all.
2: Yeah, he's he's definitely a legend and he's, you know, I think most people can uh, you know, respect what he's done through his whole broadcasting career, but you know, maybe the like older school people who watched SportsCenter, Center, you know, maybe back in like the heyday of SportsCenter Center with like Kenny Main and all those guys. I mean, that was like that was the peak of SportsCenter Center with Kenny Maine and all them. But the yeah. the Jeopardy thing, the the Jeopardy thing like I I get what you're saying, Jared. It is almost kind of like cuz I hear some people at work talking about it like it is like the next president but who's going to be the next president and i'm i'm kind of like you know i i watched jeopardy like i think my parents would watch jeopardy sometimes so as a kid i would catch it here and there i never really got into it i think it's one of those shows like if you live in this country everyone knows what jeopardy is you know like whether you watch it or not who knows but it is kind of like a, i don't know like it it's kind of a big deal like if the show is going to keep going who's going to host it it's kind of like Price is Right. Like when Bob Barker was you know, going to retire, bought, Price is Right was that show. If you stayed home from school or if you were home, you know, whatever, during the week, during the summer or whatever, you knew Price is Right was going to be on. So Drew Carey taking over for Bob Barker, that was a huge deal. So even though I'm not a Jeopardy guy, I am really curious to hear who – who takes over that next
1: spot. Oh, that's a perfect analogy. I absolutely dead on. You're right. When the price is right, you know, lost Bob Barker and they went through the whole process and out of nowhere they went with Drew Carey and he does a pretty good job. I don't know if you've watched him host it, you know, periodically. He does a good job and it's it's exactly the same thing. I mean, when Alex Trebek had been there as an institution for so long, it kind of is a big deal to to some people, probably more of the boomer generation probably, but <laughs> But uh, Kenny Maine, I just love Kenny Maine. That was my tribute. That's all.
2: So I take it, I take it, Jared is not a Jeopardy guy. Hey, Jared, have you, it kind, of, kind of like how I said it, did your dad ever watch it? Or like, have you ever watched Jeopardy? Or is that like completely off your radar?
3: No, it's pretty much off my radar. I, like, I still don't even really understand. You could put me on that show tomorrow. And I still wouldn't understand, like, what? don't you have to answer it with, like, a question or something like that? Yes. Like, yeah. yep. it doesn't, it, so how did, I don't even know how that works. So that explains how much I, I watch it. <laughs> All those shows are, if I had to pick my favorite, I would say probably Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I mean, that's the best show. It's got the best name. It's got a great movie around it. It's it's the best one, for, in my opinion.
1: It's a good one. There's no question. Yeah. We watch that one, too, especially the primetime edition.
2: I think we talked about this because I, I feel like I remember talking about this before, maybe during the Tettertainment tonight. But the summer, and I know Ted, you remember. I think this is yeah. probably. I think I was in high school, so it's before your time, Jared. But when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? That first season it came out with Regis, and it was a brand new show. It was a you know a summer show, so everyone's out of school and all that kind of stuff. It was it was 100 percent like, must-watch TV. I remember this is before TiVo and DVR and all that stuff. So, like, you had to, like, basically sit down and watch it. Because the next day, everyone was talking about how, like, the the previous night's contestant did on who who wants to be a millionaire. It was – I remember it was, like, a huge deal. We would come in from whatever we were doing in the summer, and we would watch Regis and who wants to be a millionaire. It was crazy.
1: Oh, yeah. Who can ever forget the first dude that won a million dollars, and he got to the last question for the million – and I think he went to a phone a friend, and he got the friend on the phone, and he says, guess what, Joe, I'm going to win a million dollars because I got this yeah. answer in my pocket. You know, it was awesome.
2: That's, that's such a baller move. I mean, it, I don't know was. if there's a more baller move than that. I feel like there's even a story, maybe it was like a newer season, someone did a similar thing, but they, like, called their dad and, like, said the same thing, called <laughs> their dad and said, hey, I'm about to win a million dollars or something. But funny, yeah. quick funny story about Jeopardy before we maybe move on. Um, So this is like seven, seven, eight years ago. Uh, An editor who was at ESPN when I was up in Bristol was on Jeopardy. And the night that his show aired, he was, you know, because they taped the shows. So obviously the night that his show aired, he was at work. So it was just hilarious. Like every TV in the screening area that usually is just covered, you know, there's like hundreds of computers usually watching every possible sporting event that's going on. That night everyone's TVs was on Jeopardy watching Bill on uh, Jeopardy and it was hilarious cuz he he did pretty good but when he got to the um, the last thing final, the final, Jeopardy. final Jeopardy Yeah he like he didn't he didn't know the answer so he just made some like some joke about the Simpsons cuz he was a huge Simpsons fan <laughs> and like that $0 or whatever and just made a joke out of it but it was just hilarious to be like sitting there watching someone you know on Jeopardy it was pretty funny Well before is, is there a a show like that that you guys
3: would want to be on more than any of the others, hmm. for some reason, I don't know why this is coming to my brain, but the show Wipeout, I used to watch that when I was maybe like eight <laughs> years old, and I just thought that looked like so much fun. And I would always, I've always wanted to be on that show.
1: Yeah, I'm not quite as physical. I would probably go with uh, <laughs> The Price is Right. I, I always thought that would be cool to come on down, you know, and, and then go up and win one of those gigantic prizes they give away.
2: Yeah, yeah. Price is right is always the first one that comes to my mind. Wheel of Fortune would be fun too. I've always thought, you know, Wheel of Fortune would be a good time. But Wipeout. It's funny. Like I, Wipeout is really cool. I used to when it first came out. I always thought I would love to be on there. I actually like it just recently came back on. Like John Cena is one of the right. hosts. So I like randomly I was like, what What is it? This, this show even about anymore? And it's just like out of control. <laughs> the course. If you, it's on TBS if you get, I, we're like burning our Ted entertainment tonight stuff right now. But if you, if you get a chance to watch like the new wipeout, the courses are insane, but that would be fun to try sometime.
3: I just got one more thing to throw out there and honest opinions on this. What is your guys' thoughts on just weddings and like wedding season? I'll just be the person <laughs> to say, it. I hate it. I've only been to maybe two weddings in my life. I'm anti-wedding. I don't like dancing. We've talked about that before. I, you know, generally, if you go to a wedding, at least all the weddings I've been to in my life, I, it's like maybe my family, and then I know no one else there. Uh, I'm just, I don't know, I'm wedding out, and I haven't even started wedding season. I got three or four this year. Oh so I, I just keep staring down the barrel of that, and it's just putting me in a bad mood.
1: When I was your age, I always kind of enjoyed it. You know, you you, you gave uh, whatever for your donation to the bride and groom, but then the rest of the night, man, you're, you're eating well, and you're... Uh, cocktails galore i mean that was always kind of fun
2: i was gonna say man I, I love wedding season and especially like jared you're getting to that age i remember that when all of a sudden like bang 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 like a bunch of friends start getting you know getting hitched and yeah. everything so right you might have those summers where you've got like three weddings to go to maybe you're in one or two of them or, you know something like that so it gets to be a little expensive sometimes but no i love wedding season for exactly what ted was saying the food I like dancing. You know, you get a few cocktails in, you get out on the dance floor, you have a good time. But I don't know. There's something about. I, I'm a fairly like social guy. I love like being that that friend that's like talking to all the the grandpas and the, the aunts and uncles and stuff like that. Like I think it's fun to meet like new people and just make make those like random conversations and just have a good time because it's like I'm probably never going to see these people again. So who cares? Let's let's have a good time and, and yeah, especially if it's an open bar. That, that's even that's even more key.
3: Yeah, the open bar is awesome. I, I will admit that. You know, like I said, I mean, it probably will be a lot better when it's like my friends' and stuff that are getting married. I can see because one, there'll be a lot more people that I know. Here's question number two regarding weddings that I've been in arguments about recently, which I didn't even know was an argument. What do you guys wear to a wedding? So let's say it's a spring wedding. You have like shirt and tie. Like, is it what is so wrong with wearing a shirt and tie in a in a in a coat? Apparently, that's overdressing nowadays. I, I, am I a part of the old generation?
1: well that would be part of my generation that that'd be definitely perfect attire for a wedding even to this time of year but
2: i'm I'm definitely one like i've never been a suit a suit and tie to a wedding i get it you know you want to dress up i've always been one, one like why am i getting so dressed up for a wedding i'll definitely wear a shirt and tie and you know like look nice or even like a vest and a dress shirt or something like that but i've got some friends man that every wedding they go to they're, like, brand-new suits decked out and stuff like that. And I'm like, that, you're just going to sweat through it, and the the jacket's going to end up, like, thrown out on some random table or, you know, something like that. So I just think, like, a nice shirt and tie or a nice vest, you know, you're just you, – you look good. So that, that's my thing.
1: Yeah, I guess the philosophy is if you don't have a job where you have to wear a suit and a tie – you know, it does let you go out and kind of dress up more for your, your female companion, I would think. You know, you look good in a suit and a tie, and you don't have to wear it that often during the year. So it's it's your your night to to kind of, you know, live it up.
3: Here's the way I look at it, is you're never going to be overdressed for a wedding, but you could be, like, if you go to a wedding, like a spring wedding, you think, oh, like, it's, it's casual, and you're the only jackass there wearing no tie, like, I, that's maybe my number one nightmare. So um, yeah. I, just, I just can't ever not do, like, I just can't show up to a wedding under trust. I don't think I ever would have it, like, in my brain. I just don't think I could do it. Yeah,
2: you don't, you don't want to do that because, like, that immediately made me think of because we still give one of my buddies shit for this. He, I mean, we were, like, 22, 23. One of our friends got married. And, you know, when you're 22, 23, well, your age right now, Jared, you know, maybe you yeah. don't think about this. It sounds like you are but he showed up at our friend's wedding with, like, you know, your standard, like, khakis or whatever, and just, like, a Hollister polo. And yeah. we were like, you know, we were like, dude, I mean, yeah, you you look nice. Like, you know, he's a fit guy, so he looked good in his outfit. But we were like, this is a fat. wedding. You, you like, couldn't go out and get, like, go to Meyer and get a shirt and tie if you had to or something. So, yeah, yeah. whatever, 20, 12, 15 years later, we still bring that up to him, that he's the – the dude that wore a Hollister polo to a wedding, so yeah, you don't
1: want to do that. Yeah, and you can always take the tie off or not even put it on, but have it with you at least if you need to. <laughs> right. All right, well, we're going to get into some sports. Uh, we're all caught up on things, I think, and uh, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll talk some sports, and then we'll also mix in a little entertainment on the back end right after this. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that is focused on your success. The home financing team has over 25 years' experience and origination of all types of loans. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one service with a personal touch. You're not lost in the crowd like working with a mega-sized bank. Every transaction is given complete attention from the very beginning to the end. Located in downtown Owasso, call today for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more information on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity and compassion. Their top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. Unique service to represent unique lives. In Mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started all the way back in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesaning, and New Lothra. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Hankard Sportswear is the area's top clothing and more printing business. Located in the heart of Paso at 116 West Exchange Street. Give them a follow on Facebook at Hankard.Sportswear.
2: Yeah, so it's the off season, obviously, and we're kind of past spring camp. So, you know, it's all these the hot takes of what, what the program is gonna do. Is this the year that Jim Harbaugh is gonna put it all together? And you know, last through this off season. Michigan has hired a ton of new assistants. They've, like, almost overhauled their whole offensive and defensive staff for the most part, and they brought in a dude, Mo, Mo Lindquist, who was going to be the co-defensive coordinator, and, you know, he was, yeah, like, highly regarded and everything. He was a great recruiter, you know, looking good. Been on the job since January, so just for a few months, and he just took the job at Buffalo as head coach. So, you know, some people are starting to take shots at Jim Harbaugh. Like, he can't hold on to any assistance, but to me, like it, it's the guy's getting the head coaching opportunity. So, yes, he was only at Michigan for a few months, but if he gets a shot, if he if he's aspiring to be a head coach somewhere and he gets a shot at Buffalo, which is a strong program, yeah, it's
1: a good program. I,
2: I think you, right? I, I think you would be stupid to turn it down. So, I don't think that's a knock on Harbaugh at all. One of his, his assistants got a shot to be a head coach, and they just today. Uh, they announced that they hired an assistant from Kentucky, Steve Klinscale, who is actually like Michigan State has tried to hire him. Michigan has tried to hire him a number of times. He's, he's again, another highly regarded assistant. So, you know, I, maybe not an ideal situation because he's coming in in May. But, you know, they they got a good assistant to replace the one that they lost. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It depends on really
3: what, like, what type of Michigan fan you are. Are you a cynical one? Because if you're a cynical one, you – First thing you think is, oh, he spent a few months with Jim Harbaugh and said, I'm getting the hell out of here. I don't think that's what happened, even though I am like kind of a cynical fan. I, it's just, like you said, I mean, Buffalo, you walk into a powerhouse in the MAC. I mean, at the end of the day, what type of job was he going to earn even if he had three great years at Michigan? He was going to probably end up at a group of five school anyway, so he might as well take it now. But here's the thing with at least me and Michigan football, I'm not sure if there's anything about this upcoming season that is even making me like making my eyes like become wide. I'm basically yawning at all the news coming out of Ann Arbor. It's just this team, I'm not sure what gets you out of bed in the morning and gets you excited about Jim Harbaugh and this entire Michigan program right now. There's nothing, there's nothing to me.
1: You know, I'm kind of the same way, Jared, but it also kind of makes me think, hmm, maybe flying under the radar a little bit, maybe being quiet down there. I mean – maybe have lower expectations and they can rise and uh, and have a rebound year. Because, you know, last year was so awful. And the last few years, obviously, with their performances against Ohio State and late season antics. But uh, maybe it's a good thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of – I I get what both of you guys are saying. You know, it it is fun to have a little hype to have a player or two that you're, like, super excited for. You know, like when Shea Patterson come in or – when Jabril Peppers is there, you know, you got these players that you're super excited for. So, right, the whole time Harbaugh's been there, we've had that and it's kind of been most mostly a letdown. So, maybe this is good. Expectations are seven, eight, maybe nine wins. So, like, maybe that's a good thing because if they get to nine or ten wins, you know, we're thinking they're, like, exceeding expectations. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always going to be excited for Michigan football whether it's yeah. it seems like a little bit of a down year or not. Like, we get so little of Michigan football like throughout our year. I'm always going to be excited for it, but I am a little hesitant going into this season.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens and what Harbaugh can do for sure. Well, speaking of football, the other big story right currently as we record this on Tuesday night is uh, the, just the, the differing opinions on Tim Tebow coming back. To play in the NFL, not at quarterback, but at tight end, uh, being reunited with his former head coach, Urban Ma- Urban Meyer. Uh, wh- what do you guys make of that whole situation?
3: People are getting but, mad at Tim Tebow, and I, I really don't understand why. It' like if you if you want this guy, like everyone's like, oh, just retire, or like, what are you even doing, still chasing this ball dream? It's like, why the hell not? If you're him, money's no issue. You have media waiting for you whenever you wanna, whenever you want it. So I don't understand why people are getting so upset, upset with him. I will say it makes almost zero sense why the Jaguars are doing it. I mean, the risk-reward, it seems like it's already kind of irritated like a few people in the Jaguars locker room, from what I've seen through sources. So I don't understand why Urban Meyer is doing this. But as we saw, Urban Meyer hiring the the coach who had like the super problematic past and then firing him a day later, I'm not sure if he knows what the hell he's doing in, in Jacksonville. And the funniest thing about this signing was, I saw Vegas posted Tim Tebow's like over under hmm. for well, if you guys had a guess what the over under for total yards Tim Tebow would have in a, in the whole season what do you think it would be and unless you guys have seen it already
1: no I haven't seen it and I would I would guess very low uh, 25 yards
2: <laughs> I was I was gonna say 200. Twelve and a half yards.
3: But so it's like, why even bring Tim Tebow in for that? It just seems like a distraction. I, like, I know uh, Urban Meyer's saying like all this culture things and this or that, but it's like the guy hasn't played football in eight years. And he's never even played this position. I just I don't understand it
1: whatsoever. Well, do you really think though that do you think Tebow is an automatic lock to make the team, or is Meyer bringing him in really for that reason to maybe kind of change the culture a little bit? I mean, there is a lot of haters out there for Tebow, and I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know if they all think that his uh, his Christian stuff is a is a front, which I don't think it is. I think he lives r- life the right way, and if they, they needed a culture change, just like the Lions do.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've never understood the hate for Tebow. I I know some people, right, he is very outspoken about his religion, and that rubs people the wrong way. So, um, you know, people have their different beliefs that way or whatever. But other than that, he does everything the right way, and I've worked with him a handful of times down here at SEC Network, and he's always been the nicest guy ever, the most polite guy ever, you know, everything like that. So all interactions I've had, Super nice guy. So I'm, I'm not, like, necessarily a Tebow fan, but I don't understand the hate because kind of like what Jared said, you know, you always teach your kids or you always tell people to, like, chase your dreams or, you know, to, to do what you want to do, make your life what you want it to be or whatever. So if he wants to try and play baseball, cool. Why, why does it really bother you? If he wants to come back and try and play football again after being out of the league for eight years and someone wants to give him a shot, okay, cool, like, why does it bother you so much? I don't get it. I think the big thing is, like, it, it took Urban Meyer. No other coach was going to bring him back. Him and Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is basically like a father figure to Tim Tebow. So that was that's the only way Tebow was going to come back into the NFL was with Urban Meyer. And I just think I think it almost is 100% as, like, a mentor role to the team or especially maybe Trevor Lawrence. You know, I don't think he's coming in – to be, like, the first down, every down starting tight end. I think they're just labeling him as a tight end because if they signed him as a QB, that would really make them look like idiots. If they were bringing him in as a backup QB to Trevor Lawrence, that'd be like, okay, now you guys are complete idiots because you're bringing Tebow in as a quarterback. Okay, let's label him as a tight end. He's going to come in. Sure, we'll we'll probably have some Taysom Hill-type packages for him where he might run, like, an H-back or, you know, something like that. But otherwise, right, the over-under, like you said, of 12 for for Vegas for his yards, I think that's probably accurate. And it's only a one-year deal. Like the Jaguars, that's the one thing. It's a complete rebuilding year. It's a one-year deal. So it's not like he's taking all these roster spots and stealing all this this time. like, people are talking about he's stealing roster spots from young players. And it's like one year. He's going to come in for one year, mentor Trevor Lawrence, you know, maybe change that culture, and, you know, who knows? Maybe it works out. I don't know. I don't don't get the answer.
3: yeah, well, cracks me up about the whole roster thing. If you're a tight end and you're getting your roster stolen by Tim Tebow after eight years of playing baseball, maybe you just weren't cut out for this league, and like you're <laughs> right. just looking yourself in the mirror for that. But and the other thing I keep seeing, Matt, is like the Colin Kaepernick. Oh, like Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job in the NFL. Okay, well that's not Tim Tebow, and he's not. And it's not like Colin Kaepernick is playing tight end. I know that's not why Colin Kaepernick's out of the league. But that's just, like, well, I don't understand why you even throw that out there. That doesn't even apply to the yeah. situation whatsoever.
1: Well, well, let's wrap yeah. up the Tebow talk with this. Just because he signed a contract doesn't mean he's going to make the team. Do you guys think he's going to be on the roster from day one? Do you think he's going to maybe play a couple of preseason games and then they're going to make him a special assistant? What are your thoughts on what's really going to happen to him?
2: I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if something like that happened. But I guess to me, like, I don't think Meyer – I I don't know, like, my personal opinion, I don't think Meyer would, like, do this to Tebow, like, you know, bring him in and then, like, cut him after the preseason and almost make it look even worse. Hmm. I feel like Urban Meyer's bringing him in for one year to basically be, like, a mentor to Trevor Lawrence is what I think. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, maybe he looks like absolute trash during the preseason, and they're like, there's no way we can give you a roster spot.
1: All right, fair enough. Now, you got a comment on that, Jared?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I'm going to keep my
3: eye. I'm not going to lie. If he, like, let's say one or two preseason games in and it's, like, looking like he's not bad, like he's going to – if he makes the team, I don't know how you don't take over 12 and a half yards. Right. He, there's going to be probably at least one little trick play that he's in or, like, it's just – you just tell me you can't see, like, the Sports center highlight pop up on your screen of Tim Tebow, like, first, like, receiving touchdown in the NFL. I just see it happening. So I, I'm, I'm personally, I'm hammering the over,
1: and you have to hammer it now, right? Because if he makes the team, I 100% agree with you. There's <laughs> there's no way he's not going to get 12 yards.
2: Yeah, yeah. I saw someone real quick. I know we're about to move on. You know, like you brought up the Kaepernick thing, and I think I think we all agree that he should have got another shot in the league five years ago. Like it, he definitely was blackballed. That's a whole different issue that we we don't need to get into all that. But I saw someone say that like what it took for Tebow to get back in the league was Urban Meyer being the head coach of a team. And they said they made the comparison that if Jim Harbaugh had gotten a head coaching job at the Jets or at the Jaguars or something like that, that might have been Kaepernick's way back into the league because Harbaugh, he still gushes about Kaepernick and says he's still a great person, a great player, and all that kind of stuff. So maybe it's just it's that whole fit thing. It's the right time. Like, you know, something like that. The only reason Thiebaud got back in is because Urban Meyer and him are like a father and son.
1: So right.
2: I'll be curious to see how it plays out.
1: You're you're right on with that one. All right, another sports topic. Uh, does uh, does your buddy Richie have to give back his stimulus check? <laughs> I just thought it was
3: ironic. Yeah, a stimulus check might have to go back. Here <laughs> is the thing that is with Bob Afford, one, ultimate legend, two – it's it's the classic saying, you know, you either die a hero or you live long enough to yourself become the villain. The way he sort of has painted it is that basically he has no idea how the heck this, this horse tested positive. And apparently, from my research, is that this the drug that he pe- tested positive for is not necessarily illegal. It's sort of like an Adderall for like NFL players, where all you have to do is get it cleared by, like, the NFL, and then you can still use it. Like, it's not necessarily going to super-duper help you, uh, the horse. So he's basically planning on still running in the preakness, which is kind of crazy. But I think this just shows more about horse racing as a whole is that how do you even trust this stuff? Like, if I'm a bettor and I'm betting big money and I've been following horse racing my whole life, I just don't understand how – you can throw big money on one of these horses knowing that they're, in every single race, it seems like there's a cheater. It seems like every other year, one of these three races, there is one horse that tests positive for some sort of banned substance. It's just kind of a joke.
1: Yeah, well, the, the one statement, I, I don't know if it was attributed to Baffert or one of, uh, one of Baffert's assistants, that one of the trainers or something took a leak in the stall and had taken some cough medicine and the horse <laughs> ate, and the horse I ate the that. hay. I mean, what in the hell is up so with that?
3: So let me clarify that. So he, basically what he said was in the past, what has happened before is one of his trainers had, was drinking cough syrup at the time, I guess. It yep. just like took a pee in the horse's stall, like on his hay. <laughs> and the horse ate his hay and that made him test positive. So that, that's that story. I don't think he's saying that's what happened to Medina Spirit, but I think he's saying something like that. Oh, okay. Probably what happened to this horse, which...
1: It sounds like an urban legend to me.
3: Bob Baffert looks like a snake oil salesman, but you got to love him. So I'm, I'm just going to ride with
2: Baffert on this one. Well, I did, I did see he, he did issue a statement that said the Medina Spirit, leading up to the Kentucky Derby, he had like a skin issue, was starting to basically get some rash. And there was, like, an ointment or, like, a cream that was approved by his barn to put on the horse. And apparently that drug or something, there's traces of that drug in this cream that was approved, you know, to treat this rash or whatever. So that's what he's saying right now is, like, the basically like the Barry Bonds thing. Basically like Barry Bonds saying, you know, like, this was, like, an approved drug. I, I was—I didn't know what I was taking, you know. And next thing you know, he's, like, hitting 70 home runs a year. So, like, yeah, like, you're basically, like, saying you, you did it, but you didn't know you were doing it is basically what Bob Baffert was saying. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. I'm kind of with you, Jared. I'm, I'm sure that stuff like dirty stuff goes on all the time. It's like cycling, like the, um, you know, like Lance Armstrong and stuff in the cycling sport. All these people are juicing. Everyone knows they're juicing or taking some sort of banned substances. I feel like it's the same thing with horse racing. So... I don't know. Doesn't surprise me.
1: Well, very interesting for sure. And also, final final topic here on the sports segment here in the middle. You know, we're going to be talking a lot about the NBA coming up in some future weeks here for sure as the season's winding down. Jared, the Pistons, what have they got, one or two more games?
3: Ah, uh, yeah, last game is on Sunday, actually, so I think three more.
1: All right, well, the big story, Russell Westbrook passes Oscar Robertson, 182 triple-doubles. And, you know, say what you will about Westbrook, you know, he's never won a championship, but... The guy can ball, man. 182 triple doubles, and I think he has two triple twenties, I believe, and that's just amazing. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, he's a he's a stat sheet stuffer, and you know it, it's insanely impressive. He's one of the best players ever. I just it's tough for me to think like triple doubles are what they used to be because the game is just so much different. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it used to be. That, centers or, like, power forwards did all the rebounding, and then they kicked it out to the guard, you know, to get the break going. That's just not today's NBA. Guards are expected to rebound like they're a center anymore. That's why Westbrook just cleans it up. And, like, centers – I've heard interviews of, like, centers and forwards saying they prefer their guards to get the rebound because then they can just start the break right away. Like, think about Westbrook, gets the rebound, and boom, he's off running. Whereas, like, if a center gets a rebound, he's got to find Westbrook, kick it out, kind of slows it down. So, yes, the triple-doubles are crazy impressive, but, like, the stats are just so much different than they used to be. So, just, it's a different game. Still impressive. There, can
3: I, Have you guys ever seen a, like, triple-double in person? I never have. Like, and that's youth, high school, college. I've just never even seen one. I, that's, like, what's kind of just crazy about it. It is such a... You have to be such, like, a unicorn type of player that can do it all that it's, like, so rare. And I don't know. Like, I understand the NBA has changed, and, you know, it's clearly not what it used to be. But Russell Westbrook was still the first guy that did this. If you remember, like, four years ago, it was insane. I was the number one guy, like, hyping up the MVP train for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's, it's He's made it normal, and that's the most part about it is you're not even impressed by it anymore, and that's what's most impressive about it, ironically.
1: You brought up a good point because I can't remember seeing a triple-double live in high school coverage or college games I've gone to or even pro games. But uh, 182, I mean, that's 182 is 182. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. All right, before we move on to uh, some teddertainment, fellas, we got to say congratulations to former guest Annie Agar, who uh, is joining the Bally family there, Jared.
3: Yeah, I'm, it sounds like she's doing joining as more of like a nationwide yeah. like type of content producer rather than one specific like Bolly Sports Detroit or something like that. But she she uh, deserves. It. I mean, it's crazy how we've kind of seen it from you know. I remember I I've known her for the last few years where she was just kind of starting in the business to now she's basically blown up overnight. Like basically during quarantine, she just went you know just exploded, and it's just pretty cool to see that. Just somebody that's like pretty much just entirely homegrown like
1: take off like that awesome well i think it was the three-point factor but that's just my thought <laughs> yeah also congratulations to uh our alma mater corona passed their both their millages and we're getting uh turf at the nick that's pretty sweet huh
2: no oh, that's awesome it's, it's, they're doing a few other upgrades too but the yeah the turf has to be one of the coolest ones like i know like you know i first heard people say like is it completely necessary or whatever But the long-term thing, you know, with with field turf like that, it's so cool to play on. I don't know if you guys have ever done anything like that on field turf or anything. It's so cool to play on, and it's just going to look so nice at the
1: Knicks. Yeah, I know Jared's played on turf. I I never played a game on it. I've been on it, but never played.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's awesome. I can't wait to see. The one thing I'm curious to see is – do you guys have, like, a favorite end zone design that you wouldn't mind seeing on the field?
1: You know, we talked about that a little bit at breakfast on Mother's Day. I mean, they had the diamond look there, I know. Uh, you know, Chesanine's got kind of a cool look because they've got their end zone. It's completely black with the orange uh, Chesanine logo and, the, and the you know, the, the Indian logo. That's pretty cool. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, that's. I, I'd uh, like to see, you know, the, the stripes or the diamond or stuff like that is really cool. I just like I like the classic, kind of like what they did at the Big House of Michigan. Yep. The blue end zones with the yellow Michigan. And for Corona, I would love this black end zones with gold Corona or Cavaliers. I think that would look so cool. It would.
3: I've always loved. Yeah, I mean, any turf end zone looks awesome, to be honest. But I've always loved the checkerboard. I just think that is about as it's. It looks like a dance floor. It. It just has the classic like Tennessee pageantry to it. I've always loved the checkered board end zone. Or like you said, the diamonds are a sweet look. I just just don't do the, the classic what teams always do, which is just a green end zone. Right. So if you got turf, you might as well put oh. something cool on them. Yeah. I, I don't think... care about soccer. I don't care about these other sports. Put some cool end zone in there.
1: Yeah, I think it needs to be black with gold of some sort for sure. Also I, I do understand, maybe not official, but I understand they're looking at the gigantic C with the cross swords as the center logo. That'll look cool, too.
2: I remember, see, my senior year, I know we're getting into some local stuff here. My <laughs> senior year, we brought in the swords on the logo, underneath the logo, right. and that was pretty controversial back then. So yeah. we're talking 2002. It was. Cause, uh, yeah, it was it was controversial because, like, you know, like might depict violence or something, and that's oh what some gosh. people were saying. Yeah, so we, we put the... We put those logos on our helmets, and, you know, it used to be for a while, Corona was just a nice, solid gold helmet, and uh, we put that, that logo on our helmet, and there were some, some old-school people maybe around your age, Ted, or, you know, some locals that were not a fan of that on the Corona helmet. So well, I won't. The main. To the, see that. the community has come around, it sounds
1: like. Yeah, the main culprit, I won't say his name, but I will say he was a school board member and a longtime band director, and he had the biggest problem with that, and he was the one that was dead set against it. So that battle got fought, and he's out.
3: <laughs> Maybe I'm going to – I hate to argue with you, Matt, but the seeing the swords on the helmet, it looks horrible. Corona, it should be like Notre Dame. We should not have anything on our helmet. Uh-huh. That is our classic look. I, they, no, I, they now have no, these like half white, half black, like seeing swords. It looks horrible. Get, it looks like a youth football helmet now. Get rid of it.
2: No, I, I definitely will agree with you. I'm, I wasn't saying that I was a huge fan of the sea with the swords, I, I don't – I'm not, like, maybe as against it as you are, but I'm definitely with you. The the solid, just gold dome helmet I think is so classic for Corona, like you said, with Notre Dame. I would much rather just see that. But if the kids, you know – like, we voted to go black on black with our jerseys, and that was even kind of controversial back then because <laughs> they were like, no, it's supposed to be black on gold. That's what Corona is. And uh, so, you know, whatever the kids want to do, but I'm with you. The gold dome helmet, that's Corona. That's what it should be.
1: All right, there's our Cavalier segment of the podcast. We'll be back with a little Tedertainment right after this. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management for installation, troubleshooting and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Conveniently located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan. The Janka family are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders and proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce since 2000. Rivals Taphouse & Grill, the official sports bar of three-point Podcast. Keep supporting them by calling in your takeout orders. That's Rivals Taphouse & Grill in Corona at the corner of M21 and State Road. The CoronaConnection.com staff knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. All Corona, all the time. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that's focused on your success. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one service with a personal touch. Located in downtown Owasso, call for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more info on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. All right, fellas, I've got a few things on my list before I get to some of my stuff I've been watching, which generally is geared towards most of the baby boomers out there. You guys been watching anything interesting on the the tube?
2: I'll throw it out real quickly. I I mentioned a few weeks ago when we talked about I finished up Bridgerton, and that was one season, so we watched the first season. Again, I, I would highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. If you guys are looking for anything, it's one season. Easy watch, some drama, some comedy. You know, it's great. Bridgerton is good, but we're back into Handmaid's Tale, and because that season come back, and we're we've watched it from the beginning, so it's like we're kind of in on it. We got to finish it, and that show is just if you haven't watched it, I would suggest starting from the beginning and you know trying to catch up.
1: That's on Hulu. And you'd be lost. That's on Hulu. And right? You'd be
2: lost. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's on Hulu. Um, so yeah, if you want to get into Handmaid's Tale, it's it's really good. Um, but I would start from the, the beginning because you would be lost I, if you picked it up like right now. I've heard that that show is kind of, it's
3: almost like soft core, uh, let's just say X-rated material. is what I've heard.
1: My kind of show.
2: There, <laughs> there, there are, it's, it's backed off of that a little bit. The first few seasons, um, there is, there's is some stuff that, yeah, you, you're, you're surprised that you're watching <laughs> it on TV, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> But, no, it's backed off that a little bit, but it, the story is super unique. It's kind of like it's a little twisted. It's crazy to think about that this could be re- reality at some point. But, um, yeah, I would recommend that show, too.
3: I'll throw my, my one big thing out here, and I want to get your guys' opinion on this guy just in general. Uh, and I'm actually almost positive I'm stealing one of Ted's, but I'm going to say it anyway. Elon Musk on SNL. You know, I'm not a big SNL watcher. Ted, I think you're the only one that still watches it among the three of us.
1: I watched it last week. God, so go ahead. Got, the
3: one guy that got me to tune it back on was Elon Musk. And let me just say this about him: I love him. I think he's pretty funny. I, he's obviously smart as hell. Whenever he goes on like Joe Rogan's shows or I see him in interviews, I always think he's like pretty funny and pretty interesting. And he killed it on SNL. I mean, highest ratings in a long time. I love the guy. What do we think
1: about him? I thought it was pretty good. I, I guess I never realized when he came out in the monologue and said he had Asperger's, I, I just gained a whole new respect for the guy. And then, you know, I watched a lot closer the rest of the show, and he was good. I thought it was he did a pretty good job on it. I'll, I'll give you that.
2: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch any. Um, heard it was good. That was good enough for me. Good job, Elon Musk.
1: <laughs> now, <laughs> kind of tying into that, I got a question for both you guys. It was in my notes, and I'm. I'm asking this sincerely. I didn't do any Google research or anything. What in the hell? You guys can tell me. What is, what is this cryptocurrency like Bitcoin? How, how does this work? I'm, I'm seeing stuff on Twitter that people are making all kinds of money. And, and to me, being the old codger, I look at it more like a, a Ponzi scheme. Is it legit? And what's the deal?
2: It, 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 we're, we were trying to keep this podcast tight. <laughs> if we if we want to actually like try and explain that, to you, we're gonna need we're gonna need another hour. Can't you it's give me the cliff notes? A digital currency. Yeah. Um, cliff notes. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a digital currency. Like, that's the easiest way to describe it. Like basically, you you could create Ted's cryptocurrency if you wanted to. Like if you had the farms to like build and create the currency, you could do that if you wanted. And that's why like some of them have taken off. Like if Elon Musk gets behind one people are going to start investing in it like crazy so
1: well how can it be legit if it doesn't have something like gold behind it or something i mean that's the part i'm i'm baffled on
3: I mean, it's the same sort of thing as like you know Apple stock or whatever. I mean, it's a star. Clearly, there was nothing to like nothing there, but it was more of a, like an idea and sort of like the future.
1: So it's a stock. I'm worried
3: kind that of. that's what this is. I'm generally worried that that's what this is. It seems like I, to be honest, I still don't really understand what the hell they are, how they work, how I spend them, what <laughs> I even do with them. I really don't know. Do you have some? Uh, but it's just like that and these like these non uh, fungible tokens that I'm hearing about, which are basically like videos. Those are another thing that I don't understand, but it seems like if you're not in on them, you're an idiot.
1: So do either well, was, well, either one of you guys have any of this stuff?
2: I, I have a little bit just because I had some friends like five years ago who like got in on it early and have actually made a, a ton of money on what they invested. so they they got me to buy some. But like I thought I think it's Trevor Lawrence like I, I could look it up. I think Trevor Lawrence like part of his signing bonus was in Bitcoin. And, um, wow. yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Trevor Lawrence, some of it. So it's, it's basically like, you know, you, you buy all your stuff on Amazon or on, you know, use PayPal or, you know, whatever you use, you're basically, it almost feels like you're using fake money, even though all this stuff, when you buy stuff online, it's connected to your, you know, your bank account. It's kind of like that. Like eventually, like, I think the idea is, you know, you're going to be able to just use this to buy stuff. Huh. You know, I like, like, I think Elon Musk has said, you're going to be able to use this stuff to buy Teslas and everything. So it's just crazy right now because when you get in on it early, like the stock is like point zero 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 one cents to get one. So if, if all of a sudden like it starts going to the moon, you can make a ton of money pretty quick.
1: Wow. Well, it's it's, it's funny, you know. Back in the I think I want to say late seventies or early eighties, you know, the old codgers will relate to this. There was a scam that was going around where, and it was a true Ponzi scheme where you would you would get a uh, an envelope from somebody with 50 bucks in it, and then you had to send like 200 bucks to four other people. And there was actually people at the very beginning that raked in all kinds of money and that, but there was a lot of people holding the bag that just lost their money. you know the conservative nature that I have, I just look at this and I, I just can't I can't understand it. It just doesn't click in my mind, you know.
3: Times have officially passed you
1: by. For that, for I mean, sure. Really... For sure. Uh, speaking of the old times, we'll get back on entertainment tonight here. Sorry to get us off track, there, boys. Um, and I know, Jared, you think I'm a an old pervert, but uh, there's a show I've been watching. I, I watched the full <laughs> full show on Amazon Prime, and it's called American Playboy: The Hugh Hefner Story. This thing is right in my wheelhouse. You know, when I was a young kid, Playboy magazine, you know, the nudes and all that, but really did have good articles. And if you look at the story of Hugh Hefner, I mean, if there was ever uh, a male generation idol, it was Hugh Hefner. He had everything. He started out with the magazine. He went to the Playboy clubs. He had this. He had that. It was a really well-done Kind of semi-documentary. It had actors, and it also had the real life stuff. And if you ever get a chance to watch it on Amazon Prime, it tells the complete history of Hugh Hefner, and it was very interesting and well done. Three thumbs up on that one. By uh, I actually do want
3: to watch that. I think Hugh Hefner is. I mean, he's up there. He's like Arnold Palmer. He's you know uh, Joe. Um, <laughs> Why my Hollywood Joe? Why my name, Excuse me. There you go. He's kind of a guy that just transcends generations. I think he's cool as hell, and I'm actually inter- I'm actually interested in
1: watching that. I think you'd really enjoy it. I really do because it's 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 a bio, but and it tells exactly his rise and what a genius man. He he put it all together. So I highly recommend that one. Uh, also recently I watched on HBO uh, the documentary Tina about Tina Turner. That was really well done. If you get a chance, that's on HBO Max. Uh, and the most recent Somehow, stuff.
2: For, for some reason, she's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? That's pretty
1: crazy. It's, it is nuts. I think Ike and Tina uh, are in it, but she's, she's probably going to get in this year as a solo artist. She was the number one vote getter on Sirius XM, so she'll probably make it this time. And she, it was a fantastic documentary, man. What a life. Um, speaking of what a life in the, in the music world, just uh, this last weekend on CNN, uh, they had a special on Marvin Gaye. It was called What's Going On? Maybe, guys, maybe the greatest album of all time, What's Going On? Uh, 50-year anniversary this year. The little side note on that one. Marvin Gaye, obviously, out of Detroit, Motown Records. Uh, th- he wrote this album right in the height of... You know all the racial strife in this country in 1970. I think the album came out in '71. Uh, Vietnam was still going full force. There was assassinations left and right, and basically the title says it all. What's going on? It was what's going on in America at that time, and ironically enough, 50 years later we're still going through this shit. You know, and it's it's just unbelievable. But on that song, I was going to tell you this. In the background, there's kind of like noise and you hear people talking and, and you know, using street talk and whatnot. Lot Detroit Lions, Mel Farr and Lem Barney were a part of that recording. Little lion trivia for you boys. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean
3: You guys uh, almost... diving
1: right in, very interested on that one, huh? <laughs>
3: I mean, what did they? Did they say anything
1: cool in the song? Or yeah, they did. They hey, what's happening, man? What's happening? You know that type of stuff. But it was a, it, <laughs> it really is a great album, though, no question about it. And then the final thing I got, also on CNN, it followed the Marvin Gaye thing. It's uh, they got a series every Sunday night, uh, the story of Late Night, and the first episode was primarily uh, featuring Johnny Carson. You know, you guys probably seen clips, but you have no idea what a powerhouse Johnny Carson was back in the '60s and '70s. Uh, the next episode is going to be on David Letterman, who happened to be my guy back in his back in his heyday and his youth. David Letterman was much must-see TV. I remember being at college, and it was on. You know, it was the late-night show after the Tonight Show. He was he was a genius back in the time, back in the day. So a really good series there, the story of late night.
2: I feel like the whole late night thing has kind of tailed off a little bit because I remember, you know, through the '90s, Letterman, Leno, and then even Conan and you know some other guys. It was a huge deal, like the the late night shows. Like I always just remember, it was cool to stay up late enough to see the late night shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean those those were like the legends. And I know like Jimmy Fallon's good, Seth Meyers is good, but you know maybe not the same as you know those legends back then.
1: Yeah, currently my go-to guy, I, I really like Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, I, I just love his humor, and I think he has, for my opinion, the best one out there. Yeah. All right, any others that you guys might have, or shall we uh, just wrap this thing up? I guess I we're go- we gonna wrap it up. The Hankard Sportswear team pride themselves by giving a good product at a great value. The area's go-to clothing and more printing business with many loyal customers. They do it by providing 100% guarantee to satisfy your expectations. Hankard Sportswear always have Owasso, Corona, and St. Paul School Spirit items in stock. Also, special items for family, sporting, business, and charity events. Call them at 989-725-2979, stop on into the store on Exchange Street in downtown Owasso, and follow them on Facebook at Hankard.Sportswear. Sheridan Auction Service always has a wide variety of items and real estate on the docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Looking out for you. Sheridan Auction Service. Nelson House Funeral Homes' top goal is to serve the families in our community. The number one priority is caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. Check out more information on the web at Nelson-House.com. So let's wrap it up, then. All right. Well. I just
3: asked so, like, every, I just have one question for you. So, like, every, how do you watch all, like, is it every time a new documentary drops, you have, like, alerts set? Like, <laughs> or is it just you, every documentary that gets posted on one of these, you just make sure you watch it. It's impressive. I like it because I feel like you know a lot of, like, kind of ancillary, like, information, but.
1: I don't know. I mean, I you know what
3: your watching habits
1: are. I'll, I'll see a I'll see a promo maybe you know because we watch a fair amount of CNN and uh, so that's where I saw the the commercial or at least the blurb about it. And so I thought, oh Sunday night, okay, I'll hit DVR and record it. And Then it's on my my watch list, if you will. You know, that's basically how I come across them. And that, and you're right, uh, I do try to stay on top of documentaries. I really like documentaries and. You know, the the best documentarian out there is Ken Burns. I mean, he's put out some just amazing stuff. He's without a doubt the top guy. I mean, the baseball doc alone is maybe the best one ever made. I don't know if you guys have seen any of that at all.
2: Yeah, actually, side story, actually, I met Ken Burns. He came to ESPN's campus a couple times, and I got to do this, like, speaker series with him, and I got to meet him and talk to him a few times, so... Um, yeah, it, it's kind of cool to know him because people do regard him as the best document documentary maker out there. So it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did baseball and he did the Civil War. Did you watch the Civil War one? I mean, that was just unbelievable as well. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll leave it there, boys. Uh, definitely a different kind of podcast tonight, but a fun one to put together. Uh, follow us at 3 Point Pod. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, the Corona Public Schools, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Taphouse & Grill, nelson house funeral home Sharon and auction service success group mortgage and servicing and z 925 the castle I want to say get well wishes out to my good buddy and brother-in-law joe smith and also please consider a donation to the als association michigan chapter still no cure for lou gehrig's disease we got to find a cure for jared fatale and matt burns i'm ted fatale saying so long everybody and we'll talk to you next time